When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. gentlemen welcome to another episode of the kiss of death podcast the number one podcast for fans first sports network i have the absolute pleasure of being joined by mirin fader i said that right correct you did amazing oh practice <laughs> all night uh, apart from the rest <laughs> i got about 10 minutes of sleep last night trying to make sure I was like i got it i'm good i had a little note card at work today announcing it to the office so i appreciate it uh of the ringer big fan of your work first of all thank you so much for coming on happy belated fourth of july oh you too thanks for having me uh hot dog or hamburger on fourth of july um hot dog and chicken is that weird I yes. <laughs> it is i didn't ask about the chicken but thank you so much for me. Uh, i love fourth of july fourth of july greatest i love the holiday fireworks as much food as you can get it's not better than thanksgiving but it's close yeah, I'm a big baker, so I definitely made like a cherry tart. Yeah. My, and I'm not writing, I'm baking. That's fantastic. <laughs> well, you know what? You send me baked goods anytime. How's that? All right. <laughs> Got you. Uh, first of all, uh, let's get right into Rockets talk. You're basically a Houstonian at this point with all the work <laughs> you've done on the Rockets. My buddy Parker pointed it out on Twitter. I believe it was last week, but you've done yeah. pieces on Hakeem Olajuwon, my, I mean, my favorite rocket, went to the University of Houston, so great connection there for me. But you've done pieces on Amin Thompson, Jalen Green, Jay Shantae. I mean, you're basically Houston at this point. <laughs> Isn't that so funny how it works out? And it was funny because I pitched a story on Shaq's daughter, who I believe is coming up in Houston right now. Um, so... Maybe I'll do that, and then it will be sealed that apparently this is this is a city that I love. Um, but no, I really like Houston, and obviously I've been there a couple times throughout this. But it's it's so weird and ironic because, as you know, I didn't know a lot of the people that I was profiling would come to this city. <laughs> yeah, like it just happened to work out. You basically you have a great starting lineup. I was looking at that before. We <laughs> I'm like, you got Dream at the five, you got Thompson at the one, Tate and Green on the wings. You got to bring in a shooter. But besides that, you've interviewed, I mean, what I would say, one of the better lineups for Houston Rockets history. They could, that would be a squad. I mean, 
So I actually got to wait on Shaq, by the way, when I worked at Johnny Rockets. Best <laughs> The man eats more than I have ever seen in my entire life. So I'm glad <laughs> you're doing a piece on his daughter. She's very talented. I mean, yeah. uh, let's start with Hakeem Olajuwon. So your book on Hakeem Olajuwon, I mean, I've read his biography at least 16 times. <laughs> Was there something that when you wrote the book, you learned about him that you didn't already know or you learned it and you go, wow, like that's sensational to learn about him? I mean, to be honest, I think so much of Hakeem's life has been unexplored and, you know, just really hasn't, first of all, just been given the credit as far as this amazing pioneering figure, in my opinion, the most underrated superstar of his generation. Um, yeah. So I think not only does he not, is he not really given that credit and his name is really not spoken of, there's so many aspects of his fascinating story that really have never received attention, whether it's growing up in Lagos, Nigeria, um, devotion to Islam, um, post-career mentorship, like, you know, Dream's life is fascinating and he's so much more interesting as a person, I think, than as a player, even though as a player, obviously just innovator, creator, all of those things. So I just thought, you know what, he would make such an amazing book subject for me. Oh, I mean, the story of when he come, when he got here and he had two plane tickets and he met the his buddy in the baggage handling area. And they said, which place, either Houston or was it? Oh, I always forget the second school. And they said, which one, which weather is most like home? And they said, go to Houston. And he gets to Houston. And he plays for Guy V and just the rest is history with a team. Yeah, well, I mean the origin story alone, you know, I'm not going to give away too much, but even that has become so mythologized, you know, so dreamlike, so fantasy. And, you know, uh, it'll be really interesting when you read it to see, you know, what I've uncovered. But I think it's, um, to me, it seemed like the natural second book for me, you know, Giannis, that book was so much about him, of course, but it's also, you know, his story was a window into our current world of international superstars and this new generation that's coming up, you know, Giannis, Embiid, Luca, all of these people. Um, and it's sort of what, what that world is like, why it's there, what it means, and the future. Hakeem, to me, it's almost like the precursor to that book. You know, he was the first, he was the pioneer. You know, you didn't have international players before him. So I just think it's really important to understand our past in order to understand how we got to this moment of so many international stars. And, you know, I, I really posit Hakeem as, as the catalyst for all that growth. Yeah. And first of all, congrats on best selling book, New York Thank times. You. How awesome is that, see, I had to grow to love Giannis cause we, we <laughs> you know, we had the Harden versus Giannis debate who's better. <laughs> And I was not Team Giannis for a while, but I grew to love him not only as a superstar. I mean, he's one of the best basketball players on the planet, but yeah. also him as a person. I mean, interviewing yeah. him and hearing him talk, I'm like, okay, I have to like him at this point. I, mean, I don't have a choice. I know. And it's it's really interesting, too, because some of the quotes that, you know, I found from Hakeem from late 80s, early 90s, you read them and and me with my, you know, glasses from 2023 is like that sounds a whole lot like Giannis you know and it's just it's just so fascinating to see the synergy between these two men of course each number 34 um but yeah you're right like Giannis it's crazy how much has happened in a couple years right like it's really gone like 
you know, who who's this guy? Okay, is he good to like, oh my God, like I think we're witnessing greatness. I will not have a jersey in the in the closet, okay? <laughs> Specifically for Rockets, but I do lo- I do love Giannis. And right, right. Again, congratulations on the success. Yeah. It's tremendous. I, I want to talk a little bit before I talk about Amen Thompson. I do want to go to. I learned something. I read your article about Jay Sean Tate. I'm ashamed to say I didn't read it before knowing you were going to come on the show, but I did read the Jay Sean Tate article. Wow, I, I gotta say, you you learn so much about these players. Mm. And one thing that I appreciated so much about your article was. You know, we drafted Jay Sean Tate, and I'm like, okay, Jay, or we signed Jay Sean Tate. He comes mm-hmm. over, and he, you know, we say, oh, he's good on the court, he's good in the locker room. And you read his story, and his story is, I mean, I'm sitting there and I go, I have so much more respect for him. Right. And we live in a day and age, I, I want to get your perspective on this, that it's not an, anymore just drafting the player that you're getting on the court, it's people want to know about the player, where they came from. You know, the event that, that happened to Jay Sean Tate growing up was traumatic for him, and he seems to have turned that into something positive for him. Have you seen a shift in what people are looking for when a team drafts a Jay Sean Tate or signs a Jay Sean Tate or an Amen Thompson? They're looking for that backstory. Has that always been there? Or is that recently, I would say maybe within the last like three to five years, that I see more people looking for those types of stories? It's interesting because – we might be looking for more of them because we've been starved from them, right? Like the era of long form and feature writing was so much in our past where these kinds of stories would be so common, you know, who's going to get the story on this player and that player. And now you're not competing for the story you're competing for. Maybe you are, I am, but it, you know, it's, it's a lot of like, okay, well, that person's going to go on this podcast and that TV show and this segment and that. So I think because we just don't have the sheer number of you know feature writing opportunities and stories people still want stories they're hungry to learn more like why do you think when there's a draft you know every player that gets drafted they each have a storyline this is the guy that overcame this this is the guy who's was adopted like they each have their own storylines and they're trying to have these mini narratives and i think the intrigue is only going to continue on because you know we want to see ourselves in the athletes that we love. We want to root for them with literally every fiber of our being. And if I know that I have something in common with one of those people, it just makes me want to go through a wall for them. So, yeah. So I think, you know, people love to know more about these guys. And I always search for these stories because I really don't think there's a separation between on and off the court. Like everything that happens to you off the court is going to affect everything for you on the court. Um, Just like everything in my life has affected the way that I write and everything in your life has affected the way that you podcast and you, and you voice. Um, So I just love these human oriented features. And, you know, Jayshon, you take the incident alone when he was growing up, incredible to overcome all of that. But this guy had like 80 other obstacles after that. So the yep. story, I was rereading it to prepare for this. And I was like, damn, this is this is long. Like there's a lot that happens to this guy. Like when is it going to end? You know, because it's been a while since I wrote that one. <laughs> I'm sitting there and I go, oh my God, like I never knew. But you, you say that. And one of my favorite quotes from the story was, I took the steps. I didn't take the elevator. It's not about when you get there. It's not, it's about getting there. And it's how long can I stay there? And I think going through, you know, bringing it back to the Rockets, 
The Rockets made a you know a, a swirl of tra- trades, a, a lot of trades, I should say. Jay Sean was not a part of those trades, mm-hmm. which means that new head coach Ime Udoka sees something in him. And reading that article, I can see it. I mean, Jay Sean Tate is the epitome of toughness. And I, I learned a lot, you know, reading about him, and I'm that much more of a fan of his. Um, we are getting some questions. The new Akeem Olajuwon book, is there a release date for the book? Uh, 2024. I don't have the exact date, but Perfect. I, because Twitter's imploding, I should say here that I am on Instagram <laughs> and I have a Substack, and that's where I'll keep you updated as well. Perfect. Perfect. I couldn't, I, I was like, okay, do I ask? I didn't see a release date. So, yeah. 2024, uh, we will buy probably 100,000 of those copies. Oh. So, Make sure to, to produce more of those after doing the show. I'm going to do my best. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Jalen Green. You also did a story on, on Jalen. Jalen, for me, he's a, he's a weird guy to figure out. Just from the perspective of he seems different. He's different than a lot of these superstars. He seems to be a guy that goes to the beat of his own drum. Very talented, uh, which Rockets fans love. We are, we are starving for talent ever since losing James Harden. But he seems to be a guy that doesn't love the spotlight, but the spotlight loves him. Is that an accurate representation of what you saw from doing the story on him? How would you characterize Jalen to Rockets fans? Yeah, that was a really good way of putting it. I would also say, you know, the the current generation after him are coming up with NIL, right? And Jalen obviously didn't have NIL, but he was one of the first, like LaMelo Ball, to essentially grow up on the internet and have all of your highlights be on the internet and the rise of overtime and ball is life and all of these things. So being under the spotlight of being an internet celebrity coming up as a basketball player is really, really hard. And I don't think people recognize how much um, celebrity that he had. I mean, we hung out in Fresno where he's from and you know, there's not much, no shade to Fresno. There's not much going on there. And so, yes, he was pulled. <laughs> no, I love Fresno. The good coffee shop. All of our fans yes. in Fresno are very <laughs> upset. They're not going to buy the book. Oh, God. Um, I'll buy it for him and I'll send it to him. <laughs> We're family at this point. I got you. Right, right. Okay. Um, so, yes, like, of course, he would be famous there. But when you look on your phone and you see, oh my God, I have millions of followers. I'm not even 16 yet. Like it's just a different level of scrutiny. And ever since he was, you know, really good, 15, 16, people wanted things from him and wanting things from you and admiring you are two different things. And he had to grow up really, really, really fast. And he felt a lot of the pressure. And even though that fame and that brand, you know, I would argue made him, you know, more successful because he got used to dealing with pressure. He told me he loves it. He loves pressure. He also was like, I don't like the clout. Uh, It's cool, but it, you know, there's a lot that comes with it. And so I just think for him, like when you've been dealing with that level of clout and level of scrutiny, since you essentially are a child, it's, it's really, really hard. So I have tremendous respect for him because he doesn't look like he lets it bother him, but I certainly would feel uncomfortable with it. Do you think that teams nowadays, and this is, you know, I'm just asking your opinion. You know, you make a great point about kids growing up now, millions of followers at the ages of 12, 13, 14. You know, you see the baby Gronk story. I I still don't get it. I mean, the kid's, you know, not even 12 years old yet. Do you think that teams were, are, are, or were ready 
to help these kids because these are still kids when they get into these organizations prepare for what it's like to be a professional athlete because i i think maybe 30 or so years ago they they helped the their employees you know their players to get ready for this life i think it's even needed more now and you're do you think these organizations are doing enough to help these teenagers getting into these organizations deal with this life after you know interviewing as many people as you've interviewed especially kids like Jalen and Amen who we'll get to in a few minutes I mean I don't think they're doing enough um I I think it's a really weird contradiction that like the NBA wants you to be drafted at your most complete and youngest that's that's really hard to do right like how can you be your most mature at your youngest um how can you have as fresh as legs and be veteran in the mind like that's inherently like not possible and so you know any person even with the best of systems at home and coaches and structure like is just going to have a hard time Uh, one thing that really stood out to me like for example when I um profiled Scoot Henderson was he was like you know I was really bored like just being in my room like I didn't realize how much free time I would have like as a pro you know like you're not on the court 24 7 so I just think the adjustment of being a pro is so hard and I I don't know if there's that structure there you know in the NBA and part of why I think what Jalen has done and you know we'll get to the Thompson twins is having these alternate routes I think is the preparation that a lot of them are missing once they get to the NBA. Like Overtime Elite has this like class called Pro Habits and they learn about finances and all of these things. And, you know, how many stories do we need to hear about people that have come before this generation who are broke by whatever age? So I I just think this this younger generation is being prepped in a way that the older one just hasn't. Um, And I don't know if, you know, the NBA can sort of do more, but I, I just think more could never hurt. Yeah. Do you have a preference? Uh, I, I always like to ask this question. Do you have a preference if you were a legit prospect who either had to go overseas, you know, like, like LaMelo Ball did, you know, overtime elite college for a year. Do you, I mean, you played ball. I played ball in, in high school. For me, I, I still would go the college route. That's just me personally. I think you get the best sort of experience. You get to take classes, you get to go on campus, you get to do certain things. Do you have a preference of, do you think there's a best route, you know, or does it depend? I know it depends on the, the individual situation, but do you think that there's a better route or a better route than the others to go down? Some are for sure better than others. I think what LaMelo did, and I know this because I went there with him in Australia, is such a sweet gig. Like you can be overseas and everybody speaks English and it's so chill and nice and you're by the beach and you're you're just your practice. I, mean, I would do that. I mean, I would go do that. Like that. That's like ideal. And that's why you saw a lot of people, even Jay Sean Tate, like that's one of the reasons why he went over there because he saw the attention from that path. I feel like that path is, is really um, lucrative. I think it's reminded me though, with all these different people and all their situations and so many guys that I've profiled have gone undrafted. And, you know, it just reminds me that like, If you, I know it sounds lame because of course there's millions of people that are amazing that never make it, but like really, if you are good, like they will find you. It does not matter if you are in a tiny town in Australia or um, at a, you know, D2. Um, Like I, you know, it's just, I, I've seen big time scouts at D3 gyms. I've, I've just seen the whole experience and 
you know, researching the Giannis book and talking to international scouts, it's like fascinating to me how early they identify these guys and how it's like kind of impossible to not know a prospect. Like what happened with Giannis was absolutely nuts. And like, it just doesn't happen um, because the network is so intense and they all talk and they all, I mean, there's a million people scouting. Um, so I say that all that to say is like, there isn't one that's better than the other. Now the infrastructure exists in so many different countries. Like I covered basketball in India. They're trying to find the next, you know, Indian superstar, kind of like a Yao was to China, Giannis Greece. I've done these, you know, pro leagues in the U.S. And if you're good, like there's an opportunity. That's so cool. I mean, I don't want to say anything. I shot 45% from three in my seventh grade. Uh, division. Okay. <laughs> well, I wasn't discovered, but I hear you. That is probably a little bit stronger now than it was back then. That's all I'm going to say. Well, that's why I really like this book on Hakeem, because um, there was no pathway for him. He got here on sheer luck. And... Um, but it's so much easier for the Embiid's of the world now with what the NBA is doing and like basketball without borders and NBA Africa. And so that's, you know, that, that thread is going to weave through the book as well, just because I, I just think it's important to understand, well, how did we get all these alternative routes, right? Like how, is this just like a land of opportunity? I mean, how, how are all of these scouts in the right places at the right time? Like what led to that? That just interests me. No, I, I'm with it. I can't wait to read it. Uh, before we get to the Thompson Twins, I do want to ask you your Mount Rushmore of basketball. You get four. Who you put on your Mount Rushmore? Oh, and yes, God. Go ahead. Actually, you know what? Who's your remaining three? We all know Hakeem's going to be number one. We get it. We understand. have to have him on there. No, but who? But seriously, who's on your Mount Rushmore? Oh, God. Um, I mean, it's really hard because I'm from L.A. and I, I want to put, you know, who. But I – I think LeBron has to be on there instead. Um, uh, uh, I love this question because you go; it always goes in. You're never going to get the same answer because I always ask anybody who comes on the show, "Just your Mount, your Mount Rushmore." It could be anybody. I mean, it's. I hear you on LeBron. I know I can't pick all like I can't pick all big men. Um, you could. You absolutely could. But it's I your Mount Rushmore. I just have a really soft spot for Bill Russell. I've done so much Bill Russell, like work and research. Um, I like so, so him, even though obviously we need some offense. Um, well, you're not playing a pickup game. <laughs> like a four. You know what? I gotta. I need a. I need a point guard. I gotta set up. The, I gotta set up the the half court offense. I'm like, no, I game. hate myself. <laughs> oh my god! All right, where's your heads at? I need a wing defender. I need a big man. I'm with it. I'm all right. All right. right. We're just putting Kobe in there because I'm from L.A. and I'm not you ashamed. To. You got to. <laughs> OK, so you got Kobe, you got Bill, you got LeBron. OK. I, you need a, you need a little wing help. That's I know. I know. Um... <laughs> it's another Laker, isn't it? If you put Austin Reeves up there, I'm going to be so I'm upset. Austin Reeves. I, I'm putting Austin Reeves. <laughs> That's, that's so bad. This is one of my favorite stories I've ever done. The Austin Reeves story. I can't tell you how much joy I see when I'm just watching him explode. It's such a great story. Not, not my words, his story. He is a lot of fun. I, I, yeah. I will give you that. All right. I'll give you some time on the fourth. <laughs> I'll give you some time on the fourth. Um, 
That's so funny. That's what I'm going to ask the next question. Instead of Mount Rushmore, I'm going to be like, all right, you need a pickup game of five. Who are you taking? Like, you stand on the court longest with a game to 21 at LA Fitness. That's the way I'm going to phrase it from now on. Um, let me ask you this. You, so the Thompson twins, right? Draft Amen Thompson. What are we getting in Amen Thompson? What do you like about Amen Thompson? What do you think the Rockets are most going to love about having this kid in the building? He's so pleasant to be around and he's so mature. Um, he's a perfectionist. Um, he really, he's just very mature. Like I, I think a lot of times I'm hesitant to profile younger guys because I think, okay, well, you know what? They, they haven't really had that time to mature or whatever. He's just, he talks about his next contract, the one after this, the one, like he's just thinking ahead. He's not thinking, okay, what, what when am I going to get drafted what position all this stuff like he doesn't care what people think he but he's just so um he's just he's a person that is like very very not satisfied with himself and he views himself as a work in progress and um he overthinks but I'm gonna say that as a strength because it's somebody that like really, really, really cares. Like they, they, they overthink and they're perfectionist to the core because they love it so much and it means so much to them. There's a lot of NBA guys that earn their paycheck, don't really care for whatever reason. They were tall enough, good enough, whatever, and they just seem to stick and this is how they make millions. He's so different. Like he really is like childlike enthusiasm when he gets on the court. Like he, he literally lights up and like he – it was not joking to me when he said, I've slept everywhere in this building except the third floor, meaning he's shooting so late at night, he'll just go to sleep there instead of go back to his apartment. So, um, and he's just so funny in how competitive he is. He's like, if you tell him he can't do something, like he gets so fired up, like, and it's down to this, not the stupidest, I won't say that, not the stupidest things, but he said, I'm going to grow a beard because people said I can't. <laughs> And it's so the most mundane thing, you know. Um, so, you know, he he's not saying that currently. He said that before, like, oh, they said I couldn't do this, so I'm going to grow the beard. Um, and I just think that says so much about, like, his personality. And I, I just love the way he's wired. You guys got a good one. I'm excited. Look, I didn't love it draft night. I'll be very honest with you. I didn't love it. And then I started learning about him. Like, I love his competitive fire with his brother because now I hate the Pistons because he hates the Pistons. You know, yeah. he's talking about he wants to be better than his brother, uh, but they, they seem to be best friends, which is a lot of fun. He just seems like – I think you summed it up perfectly just in the, the media that he's done so far. He hasn't come out of his shell just yet, I would say. I think he's still getting used to the city. But I think once he does, I think we're just going to fall that much more in love with him. And his game – He's the perfect prototype for this, for today's game. Six, seven, he's going to be a point guard, but you can put him out there. He plays well off the ball. He gets his, his teammates involved. He seems to be a guy that his teammates are just going to love playing with. Is that an accurate statement? Yeah, I mean, he's a locker room guy. And, and kind of like the Jalen thing about not liking the spotlight, I mean – you know, a man is even more so like, don't take pictures of me, like team first. Like, you know, he he had to, you know, have the OTE people get him like dress slacks because he just wanted to, you know, sweatpants, just like Giannis rookie. Year. Oh. Like, I'm just going to show up in my. <laughs> yeah. So oh, what a guy. You know what? Everything we love. That's my favorite thing. Yes. You know yeah. what? Let's do that for the NBA draft from now on. 
Yeah. Like sweatsuits, like yeah. more sweatsuits at the NBA draft. You know how like, here I am for that. You have no idea. It would be pretty, pretty sweet. Yeah. He's just the most low maintenance person. He's a total pro. That's the thing. I just, I left feeling like total pro. And at the same time, the innocence, it's so sweet and it's so pure. Um, and I just, the fact, like he told me he and his brother share headphones, like they mean that literally, like it's not hyperbolic. They, now they have to get their own because they're in different cities. But, um, you know, I, I know, I know. It's it's just he's he's somebody that I think the, the most important thing when, when I think about him is that what you're seeing now is only a glimpse of the player he will become because he's just not full of himself. He knows he has a long way to go. He looks forward to the work like he he just he's a gym rat like you just can't teach that. Yeah, I, he's going to look good on that uh, NBA championship stage at the end of this season when the Rockets win the title, 23-24. So excited. Uh, this, you're very busy. Thank you so much again for coming on. You're, uh, just a couple thoughts. Ime Udoka is the next head coach of the Rockets. I give the Rockets front office all the credit in the world. They identified him early on in the process, you know, before, you know, three or four other coaching or coaching openings were there. The Rockets identified their guy. They went and got him one year, went to a, a championship. Hopefully he can replicate that. What type of coach do you think Udoka is going to be for the Rockets? And in your opinion, do you think they got the right guy to lead? Now this good mix of veteran presence that they brought in with Van Fleet and Dylan Brooks with their young guys, Jalen and Jabari and Al Perrin. What are the Rockets getting in Udoka? What are your thoughts? Well, I mean, he's – he's a player's coach. So, I mean, he's very beloved, um, you know, like I've profiled Derek white before and um, you know, the Celtics and, you know, I know he really liked him. And I, I just think um, Houston, actually it's funny with the Hakeem book because Rudy Tom Janovich was such a player's coach. That was exactly his. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. Heart of a champion. Yeah. So I, it's interesting to think, but yeah, that's what I think of when I think of Udoka too. I, I just think, People really like playing for him. These guys, and I know because I profiled Jabari um, as well, they're just, they're really good listeners. I think listening is a really good skill. It's an underrated skill. All of them want to be molded. And I know Yudok is intense and he demands a lot from players. And he, you know, we know his background and sort of what created that. But I just think, He's right for those players because they actually want to be coached and they actually want to be really good and they don't see themselves as finished products. So I think it's a good fit, but we'll see. He scares me. He's the first coach that I listened to a press conference and I'm like, okay. Like he's not, he doesn't talk a lot. The way he talks, like it carries weight. Like I'm sitting there and I'm like, oh, okay, coach. You know what? You got it, coach. I'm ready to go. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> It's so much fun. You're welcome back on the show. Much fun. Anytime uh, that you Thank would like you. to come on. Uh, where can we find your work? Do you have anything you would like to to publish or to uh, publicize? Let people know you got coming up. The floor is yours. Yeah, no, thank you so much for having me. Like, this was so fun, and I'm still dying at the the Rushmore. Um, nobody come for me for my lack of wing. Um, and uh, <laughs> I haven't had enough doing it. And uh, <laughs> no, um, yeah, you can find me on Twitter still, if it still exists, at Marin Fader. Um, 
Instagram, Marin Fader, Substack, Marin Fader. Um, and I did have another story come out today. It's on Keontae Johnson, who just got drafted by the Thunder. Um, he was the player, if you all remember, who collapsed in a game um, for Florida. And he miraculously came back two years later to kill it at Kansas State last year. And now he's his journey's starting all over in the NBA. So would love if people could read that story. And um, I actually have something coming next week, too. So, yeah. Well, we're gonna we're gonna make sure when we put it out, we'll we'll put links to, to everything, to Instagram. To, uh, my mom watches all the shows, so she's already told me uh, that she bought, she bought your book. Uh, <laughs> just ordered the Improbable Rise of an NBA Champion on Amazon. I Renee, thank you. She's good people. She's very good people. Hopefully, uh, mine is already on the way. I've already ordered it. Um, and again, you. we can't thank you enough for coming on. Hopefully, we can bring you on during the season. And uh, absolutely. Again, thank you so much. This has been another episode of the Kiss of Death podcast. Make sure to check us out on Twitter, if it's still there by the time I publish it in about uh, 20 minutes, uh, at RocketsFFSN. Uh, I'm on Twitter at Mike Brown underscore 2020 for all your Rockets and food around Houston takes. Uh, again, we'll talk to you all uh, tomorrow night. NBA uh, Summer League tomorrow night. So excited. Uh, I'm going to go figure out who I'm going to put on my starting five at LA Fitness. Marin, thank you so much for inspiring that. I'm going to go uh, write that down now. I appreciate you. Thank you.